Welcome to the Well Workplaces podcast, where we have authentic conversations with health and wellbeing leaders that are on a mission to inspire healthy change in the workplace. I'm your host, Tom Bosner, and this podcast is brought to you by Pinnacle Health Group, Australia's leading corporate wellbeing provider, who are on a mission to deliver 5 million health experiences globally. Now, to stay in touch with the latest events and podcasts related to well workplaces, you can follow us on Instagram, YouTube, or on LinkedIn by simply typing in Well Workplaces. And I'm joined today by a special guest, Dr. Natalie Flatt. Dr. Natalie Flatt is a clinical psychologist and co-founder of Connect Psych Services, Australia's premier e-counselling provider for workplaces. Welcome back to the show, Nat. How are you going? Um, well, Tom, as always for a Friday. Can't believe it's November, right? It's uh, end of year. What's going on? Yeah. Well, I don't actually even know what the month of November looks like. It, it speeds off so quickly. And, and I think my attention has been basically hijacked, which is, uh, is what we're going to be talking about today, is, isn't it? <laughs> what, um, what distracts you the most with your attention, do you think, just out of interest for a clinical psychologist and a, and a busy uh, business person that you are? Like, is, is it things like Instagram? Is it I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if you're an Instagram person. Like, yeah. What are the things that sort of get you, get you distracted? I'll share with, I'll, you know, I'll share with you what mine are as well after, yeah. after you share yeah. yours. I think it's funny you say that. I think I get distracted by, by little life admin tasks, um, yeah. that I can get really bogged down in. Um, so little things like I like to deep dive and I, I, I do enjoy it, but like if we were going to a restaurant, go, go and figure out what's going to be the best restaurant. So like, again, Every year we take my parents out for a lunch just for their Christmas. And I always like to be really perfect. I'm a little bit um, perfectionistic like yeah. that. I, I can go down those rabbit warrens for hours, Tom, and I have to make sure very much that I've done all my other little tasks that I need to do for the day before I start going into into my yes. little study at home where my husband would just say, I'll just like silently leave her because that is, it's also my kind of disconnection as well. Again, you know, that the whole Instagram, um, social media apps are very careful that I don't go down that rabbit warren anymore, but I used to. Um, mm. so that was a major attraction there. Yeah. How yeah. About yourself? Yeah. For me, I go through patches of being super disciplined, but I find if I'm under stress or I'm feeling, I get sort of stressed in November every year. And it's, it's, I think it's the end of the year feeling that's coming up. And I know that we've got a short period of, or the, the week sort of, uh, you know, disappear pretty quickly at this mm. pointy end mm. of the year. So I, I actually get stressed in November through to the end of the year. And that's when my discipline of being disciplined with my attention really goes down the hill. So the thing that really takes me away from my, or distracts me is really my phone, like just in general. So whether that's emails, a little bit of social media, I'm not big on, I don't share a lot of stuff on there, but I'll, I'm probably one of those annoying people that just, maybe I'm one of those older guys that's just lurking on the, on the platforms and just viewing things that, that sounds creepy. I don't mean it that way, but, um, you know, I'm just, I'm participating, but I'm not really, but I'm still on it. So yeah, when I'm tired, when I'm a bit stressed, perhaps this is, this is where I go, what I, where my attention goes to, goes to shit. So I really need to be careful to, you know, throw the phone away or move it away and just, okay, if you get an hour of undistracted work done today, Tom, you're doing great. You know, like, it's kind of like, you're doing great if you can, if you can do it that way. Um, now we are talking about metacognition today, which is yeah. a really big, big word. And to be honest, when we talked about sharing this on, uh, or having a discussion about it, 
I had absolutely no idea what, where you were going with it. I know what cognition means. I don't know what metacognition means. So tell us, what is it? <laughs> so Tom, it's a fancy word for what we all know and do, I suppose, hundreds of times a day. Okay. So it's, it's basically, an, it's a scientific study of how the mind can actually be aware of and control its own activity. Um, so it's kind of like thinking about thinking um, and understanding how our minds work. It really just then gives us that insight into how we can use it a lot more productively um, and how we can be more capable for that self-regulation and that self-improvement. Um, it is a bit of a fuzzy concept. So I like to look at, I suppose, a metaphor here, an analogy, um, of thinking of the brain as both having the software and the hardware, where the software is more of our thoughts and our feelings and our conversations with others. The hardware is the neurons and the connections between them. So it's so really that brain, that white matter, or creating it from grey to white. Um, it's what we do to aim to connect the, the two is, is really where that metacognition does lie. It's really important now to, to kind of come back on this area of metacognition in our daily life, because exactly what we both just said, the modern technology, the Apps, the games, the social media, online content, it really has just hijacked our learning pathways of our brain, right? So what we're seeing now in a lot of studies is our compulsive behaviors. Okay, we're, we're, we're more increasingly captive to that and we watch it as well. Our attention issues has really plummeted and our emotion regulation issues have really increased there or, you know, dysregulation, dare I say. Obviously, the pandemic poured, you know, just fuel on this fire. And it's really, you know, because of social isolation and then the boredom as well, it's just really created this reliance on devices for social interaction and also being bored, like the amount of times, like I was on the train this morning going into a meeting and I just looked around and I, I, I kind of really, really consciously put my phone away just to kind of think about what we were talking about today, like rather yeah, than write down yeah. notes or research it. I was actually going, well, what do I actually know before I delve into the World Wide Web for extra information? Like, what do I actually know about this? And mm. I was just reflecting upon that. And I just looked, every single person on that train, bar three people, had their phones rather than a book or rather yeah. than something. Like it was like, it's like, we don't allow us to allow ourselves to reflect, to look around, to, to even just to think about what might the day lie ahead, how are we going to approach the day? And we, we can do it with this automated thinking. And that's where we just said exactly what you said, better than months ago, you know, because yeah. we're in this autopilot all the time where we, we might not be doing things in the most productive way because we're not stopping and thinking about how we're doing it. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Like who's this weirdo in, on a train, not, not with her phone. It, it was you, yeah. <laughs> it was you yeah. staring. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, no one staring noticed out. me, Tom. No one noticed me. So. <laughs> <laughs> staring outside at, at the outer world. Yeah. Well, there, there yeah. you go. I, I think on the topic of like just generally being distracted all the time or feeling like there's a lot going on. The analogy I use is like with a computer, you might have tabs open like you know if you if you're on a, a desktop and you've got by the end of the day you've got 15 tabs open i think that's how a lot of people are feeling is like oh i've got a, yeah. just a lot of things happening if you if you have the discipline of opening one and maximum two just how you feel is a lot different and a lot nicer because you don't feel like oh shit i've got 15 things on the go and also the other analogy i use is like an antivirus software on your computer it's always working in the background and sometimes that's how our brain works we don't think we're thinking or stressing or worrying about things but in the background that antivirus software being your brain is actually just 
chipping away, just maintaining, <laughs> maintaining your stress levels just at a certain, at a certain point. And so, so metacognition back to that, it's really about connecting the hard, you, you called it hardwire of the brain. Sure, and the, the bloodware, yeah. Hardware. And it's really, it sounds very scientific, but from an application point of view, the, the big push in schools, it's really, it's, it's great. They use a lot of metacognitive strategies, which we'll go through in a minute for, for studying, but they're really even bringing it into, into learning process in the earlier ages. Like they see metacognition occurring in 18 months, two-year-olds on how they approach problems and how they, how they can learn. So something that we didn't know this fancy word when we were probably in primary school time, but it's not to say that we can't now bring this into workforces and workplaces. And it's a really also a really good leadership tool because it opens up to other team members to even, you know, potentially champion certain aspects of a project that they may not have been assigned to. If we can just reflect on their skills, if we can just find out how they actually felt when they were doing project or, or you know, th this type of planning or, you know, working on this element of, of whatever it is in what industry you're working on and being able just to sort out, was there another way we could have done it? Like bringing different perspectives, it all leads back down to self-regulation, but better productivity in the end as well. So a really, really, really fun and good leadership skills. It sounds like there's some applications here for leaders or managers in understanding this a little bit to bring this into a team environment or perhaps the strategies, you know, to bring this to life in a workplace or for an individual. What, how, how does that look for the strategies for bringing this in and I guess helping you learn a little bit better as well? Yeah, because like what we want to do is we want to find the processes involved when, when we plan, we monitor, we can evaluate, and then we can make changes to big projects as a whole or to our own learning behaviors. And it's got to be able to come back to that self-reflection, that stopping, that pausing rather than going, okay, we've just done this, right, that's cool. Okay, we'll tick that off. Then we're going to go into the next one. So we're just, what you said, we'll get it. We've got to get through our 15 tabs in there where mm. we don't actually stop to go, well, how could we have done that differently? Well, how did that make us feel when we were doing that? You know, you just said you just your 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 emotion for the next two months just stress. Mm -hmm. How could we actually be able to reflect upon that? Where you may not feel stress, you might feel stress certain times, but you may not feel stress all the time. But you don't allow yourself to think. So, yeah. so we want to be able to bring that back into the workforce because in the end, like that actually really helps teams as a whole to be able to not only find their, I suppose, a SWOT analysis um, mm. from each team member and then from the team as a whole to determine what's going to be the best approach forward or what can we try next time that might actually have a different outcome or a more positive outcome where we might actually end up knocking a few days off the project and getting a little bit earlier. So little things like that, it all comes back down to being able to have that time out to really think and not guilty that we're taking that time out or allowing ourselves to you know, and we, we talk a lot about diffuse thinking. I know we've talked about declarative self-talk. There's all these little strategies that we can kind of, or leaders can even emphasize and, and go and do, you know, even to go and sit outside and, and just not take anything but a pen and paper and go, okay, I've just walked out of that meeting, right? Mm. Or I've just been approached and we've just talked high level about a project. What do I actually know before reading anything more about it what can I assume about that project that we're doing? Okay, I know that's a very vague, you know, example. But what that then allows you to do by getting a pen and paper is allows you to actually delve into what you may know, which then starts to ignite your memory or your creativity, but then starts to create more of your style of thinking. And if we could get even each team member to go out and do this with no other distractions, 
it will be able to create just some areas where we might then go, well, wait a sec, is this employee or team member or even am I more of a visual learner? You know, do I learn best through imagery and graphics and documentary or am I more of an auditory learner or am I more of a kinesthetic learner? You know, do mm -hmm. I learn best movement or am I more logical or mathematical or am I more intrapersonal? Yep. And what we can then do is that we can find out ourselves, like, well, where's our main strength and where might be an area where we may be able to want to kind of up that ante. This is obviously probably more so work related here. Um, mm. But then to bring that back to a leader or to a team to say, well, this is where I feel like my strength's going to be because I've actually had a really good think about it without any other distractions around me. I've allowed myself to essentially be bored, not in, the, in that <laughs> sense of, well, this is what I'm just focusing on that singular task and I'm taking tech out of it. I'm just going to yeah. take tech out just that minute. And it's amazing. It's amazing what you can achieve if you just had that confidence in just seeing where your brain can go and what, and what that can do and where you feel you might have that skill set that may or may not be highlighted at work in the beginning. Does that, does that make sense? I think that we all should take stock about where we actually lie with our skills. Yeah, absolutely. No, that makes perfect sense. I think as a, you know, in a management sort of role or something like that, like the challenge now in hybrid working is you don't see, you don't see everyone all the time. Um, and that's okay, but you don't know how they think as well often, uh, especially if you think about new members coming on board into a team, you know, you know what their strengths are in terms of what they've told you, but to really understand where they're coming from straight away it's it's pretty hard it, it requires a lot of conversation and yeah. stuff so that idea of just sort of yeah putting everything down or reflecting prior to a meeting coming in and then also getting as a manager understanding where everyone's strengths are i guess that means that you can put them in the right seats on the bus to then get the best sort of outcomes for the project or future outcomes is that is that right absolutely absolutely yeah. like we get pinned down position descriptions um, for instance, mm. and then we believe that that's what the boxes that it boxes us in. And obviously we all need some level of, you know, loose parameters, but do they have to be so stringent? Is that an empathetic team? Are we utilizing our people or to the best of the ability? And those self-reflective questions, you know, like, you know, even to go and say for a leader to go, I'm going to go and give everyone a question or mm. a high level understanding again of this project. And then I want you to walk away, but I want you to even say, well, you know, does my answer that you're going to give back to the leader, does it make sense given the information provided? What strategy did I use to solve the problem that was helpful? You know, and how do, does any of this information conflict with my prior understanding? And this is where we can gain that, um, that clarification a lot better where we, we can, I suppose we can stay on the path a lot better with projects rather than go down a bit of a rabbit warren that a lot of leaders go, oh, dear me, we've got to stop here because we're actually taking the wrong lead. Let's go back on the path, but just making sure that everyone understands based on their learning style. But if you don't yep. know your learning style because you've never kind of reflected upon it, mm. um, kind of that you're not setting yourself up, up for success. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. And I think, you know, I think back to this is making me think of going back to like university and studying. And, and I think like what I learned pretty fast with with my own learning, learning about learning, um, or thinking about learning is I was actually not very, 
got very good with some of the real basic stuff. Um, but as soon as it became a bit more of a visual type exercise or I was learning something, I, I literally had to write a story. If I was learning, let's just say something like anatomy, I'd basically write a story about the thing and then I would remember the story and then that would bring out the information. So um, I don't know what learning style that is exactly, but basically I had to make sure everything had a lot of meaning. I was terrible at like, yeah, some people are really good at just repeating information back or they just hear it and they've got it. I had to really kind of draw it or um, write a story about it, which which was weird, like quite weird, or at least it was, it felt weird. But I feel like I picked that up early enough to then make myself at least learn faster, basically, around a bunch of but stuff. That's actually a metacognitive strategy as well. Like, yeah. you know, you, yeah. you, want, you want to banish all that kind of language, which can be really overwhelming, especially in anatomy and, and speak it in the story. And that can make that complex issue far clearer um, and using those analogies and those metaphors on the way, which also then engages not only yourself, but then others when you're talking back to them and when you're trying to, to learn for those very intense scientific exams um, that some people on the other end are, are starting to understand what you say. Remember when we used to go with English, it's like when you used to read it, write an essay, you always say, go and find someone who doesn't know anything about the topic and read it to them. And then if they understand what you're saying, then you're pretty much going to pass at least. Um, yes. The type of metacognition there, like to be able to make sure that you're clear and you're you're kind of checking in on yourself and then going back and getting that feedback. A little bit like, a, a, I suppose it, it helps with EQ as well as like, that's part of the 360 yeah. AQ assessment. It's interesting you say that because I did a science degree myself as well. And, and you know, genetics and chemistry, no, not, not good for me. When I was, mm. I couldn't see it and I couldn't, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't, for some reason in my mind, that just doesn't, didn't work well for me. But when mm. I got into zoology and I could feel and I could touch and then I could move around, I was, I was very kinesthetic in my learning and I was also mm. visual. So yep. I know that my strength, so I bring that in in into my workplaces where I've got lots of boards and and I go back to the good old chalkboards. I've got them everywhere dotted around there. Yeah. There and I'll write notes and everyone would know that's natural. She understands what it means. Um, but that's how she gets from the brain to the to the vision. And then I see it and that's that's my massive part of learning, especially with diagrams. Um, you know, yep. going back to concept maps, going back to visual maps, it's a really good way to even enhance your memory and to provide some Again, some clarification to go, okay, I know actually a lot in this area, but I need to know a little bit more up here. So this is where I need to then now understand what I need to tackle, but how can I tackle that? You know, so again, it opens that up for that solution focused problem solving. And in that time, it actually regulates, just likes to give you self-regulation. So again, rather than coming in on that complete stress level, mm. we're able to break it up. Yeah, no, that's that makes sense. And I think, you know, like one thing I always conscious of is, being maybe similar to you, maybe a bit more like visual and of, of what there's always a whiteboard with a lot of scribble on it. And then what, what is a bit of a bias you can have is then you assume that everyone else is visual. So you then, oh, look, I've done this thing on the whiteboard and I'm over here and I'm, you know, so this leads to this. And then, but when you're presenting that to someone, you can kind of, there's always the person in the room that you can really tell. They're just like, I need more details. Like I need yeah. like. This needs to be a spreadsheet, Tom, not a bloody picture on a, on a board. Yeah. Like it, it only has meaning for, for me, um, is, is something that I've become very conscious of is that I've done the work. This is visual, but I know it like I know it cause I've done it. So, so then it's really on the person that's maybe that per type of person where they're like, look, I've, you know, this makes sense to me. It's having the understanding that like you need others to also do the work on it in their own 
way to the, to then, yep. um, I guess, yep. elicit meaning for them so that then they understand yep. it. But but what you were suggesting earlier is kind of that idea of if you're going into a meeting or, or a project, do some thinking beforehand. Um, one strategy I wanted to share with you, and it's, it's actually using technology, but in a more... Um, like rather than everyone collaborating at once, it's kind of going uh, a brainstorm before before a meeting. So it's asking like a question up the top, a question down the bottom, and everyone just dumps their ideas in. I th- feel like that's a good one for people that aren't wanting to speak up in a group setting or, or they're, they're not as comfortable thinking and talking in those group settings because the extroverts doing all the talking and they've got great ideas, but they don't cap, they never capture it in a meeting. So it's kind of that, it's not a brain dump, but it's more just considered thoughts prior to a meeting. What do you think about this? What tends to happen there is that those introverted people, if, if I want to give them that label is they get their turn to talk because did you write that? Cool. Tell us about that. So, um, I feel like that's quite a good one for that hybrid working where, yeah, not everyone is comfortable on zoom and, and sometimes it's always the person that's the loudest that talks the most or the, the most extroverted dominates those Zoom meetings. So it's, it's a good one for capturing those, um, those more introverted people that have different, maybe different learning styles altogether. And it's a really good one as well, like just to kind of, you know, when everyone was come together, is it, there's a technique also called um, the muddiest point. Um, mm-hmm. And basically what it allow you to do is it, it quickly identify the areas that people are finding the muddiest, so like the most confusing or the least clear. And that's where that can provide leaders with, with that immediate feedback regarding, you know, the team's understanding. And then, you know, it gives, it gives that opportunities for reflection, more inclusive participation, probably more timely feedback to, to get, as I said, stay back on that, on that path. So that's a, it's, um, it certainly works really well being able just to, yeah, to come back with, with different learning styles, walking away, re, regrouping seeing where, where everyone's at, seeing their levels of understanding and seeing if there's any, that any muddiness puddles, I suppose. Um, yeah. yeah. Education before then diving in. So, yeah. and, and that, yeah, and we can do that in our own life as well. Like, you know, we can do that many times with levels of self-regulation. Where's our weak points? Like I know my weak points definitely are my life admin skills. Like, so I'm very much that high level thinker. Um, and with the, those are kind of those more attention to detail. If I don't actually have the time to do those things, I will more often than not either overlook them or just as I was talking with you, going, trying to find my cable, my charger, yelling at everyone else and, the, and their who stole it. And um, Ant comes into me and goes, it's on your desk next to <laughs> It's those things that I kind of lose. Um, whereas I, if I look at the, the smaller things that I need to do and knowing that's my weakness, so do I then leave those small things to a time where I can actually sit there and I don't have that distraction that I can just go and do those small things. So do I then write them all down in a diary? And then I come back to that after the kids are in bed, after those things, like little things like, you know, birthday invites, presents, like what do I need to do? There's tiny little Mm. things that really mean a lot, but I just don't, everyday life, I can completely overlook them or not do a very good job of them. So that's my reflection as well. And that actually allows me to go, I don't, something in my, I suppose, schema is that I don't need to be so immediate. Okay, yep. It's okay to to take that time to get back to someone. Um, you know, that's my strength. There's also my weakness there. So it's like I have to create that level of self-reflection that it doesn't, you know, that that's, it's okay 
and I can let go of some of that and I can still do it, but I can do it at a time that's going to actually be more beneficial to me. So that then decreases my stress levels and my tabs. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a good, uh, good example. I think most people could relate, uh, to those life admin challenges. My, my biggest kryptonite, I always, I refer to it as kryptonite, um, in my, my life is something simple like booking a flight and booking the right time. Yeah. That stress stresses the shit out of me. And I have no idea why, <laughs> but it's a, it's not that hard. My wife's great at that stuff. Um, so I kind of make sure that she's, uh, let's say playing to her strengths with those types of things, but, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know why, for example, that, that for me, but yeah, I, I've got a bunch of stuff that's maybe similar to yours. For me, what I do is I just go cool that one hour in that painful hour in my week is going to be put somewhere where I've at least got the energy for it. It's normally a Friday morning, which is kind of like torture to me earlier this morning. Um, but I'll get it done, you know, like bills and flights and crap like that, that requires my attention. You'd probably call it admin. Uh, but I know I need to do it and, um, but I'm also terrible at it. And at least I know that. Are there any other examples that, you know, come up within your, you know, with your clients? Are there any other strengths or, or weaknesses in, in clients that you see that are kind of common or? Yeah, I think one thing that, I, as I said before, I'm really just trying to really push with a lot of our clients at the moment is just taking notes, like as in taking notes from memory, taking notes without reliance on on the tech and, and everything and getting outside where maybe you might actually need that more open space because open space can also, you know, really connotate that, that whole feeling of clarity. Look, metacognitive strategies, like there's so much to do with mindfulness in this, like there's such a great connection there because you're thinking about thinking. It's like, it's not conscious or unconscious. As I said, you can go into a massive scientific kind of void here on, on mm. exactly metacognition. I don't want to go into that today because that's incredibly intense, but just to do those simplistic things where you might then have more of that, um, those fractals around you, which then can create those alpha ways of, of relaxation that then opens a mind to better memory because all our memory can really be firing from our prefrontal cortex. And that also allows us to understand, you know, which is one of our new topics, Tom, coming up is looking about the how. You know, we get so focused and fixated on the why, why we're doing something, but it's how we're doing it um, is, is just as important or how will we do it. And that's also part of metacognition, but that's a, that's a, that's a part two of our, our next podcast. Unreal. Looking forward to that one. Um, Nat, thanks yeah. so much for today. That was really interesting metacognition. And uh, I like that you've, <laughs> you've with your, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I've gone from <laughs> life admin to, uh, to talking metacognition. See that that's, that's literally how I roll as do you by the sounds of it. So yeah. yeah. And, and next time, you know, the charges on your, um, on your desk, uh, ready to be plugged in. <laughs> Thanks so much, Matt. Chat soon. See you guys. Bye John. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another Well Workplaces podcast. If you've loved the show, it would be fantastic if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or feel free to follow us on LinkedIn or Instagram and search Well Workplaces or my profile, Tom Bosner. If you would like to hear more about our exclusive events and more about the Well Workplaces community, feel free to email me directly at tom at wellworkplaces.com.au where I'd love you to tell me who I should interview in the future podcasts. This podcast is really built on community input and built on the aspiration of inspiring healthy change in every workplace. Thanks for listening.